What's up, boss? <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. What's good in the hood? Just holding it down, trying to take care of business. Keep it up. Floor spacers. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I think today, what well, I think, you know, uh, is a day for celebrating uh, the Floor Spacers podcast. I'm just kidding. All right, guys, I'm wow. just kidding. Yeah, no, thank you. That was a great introduction. I just blanked out. But um, uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are back with another podcast episode. As promised, it's an every Saturday thing. You know, we stick to our word. You know what I mean? Don't got to doubt that. You dig? But um, yeah, guys, obviously, uh, you know, this week the NBA Finals concluded. Um, it was definitely a very fun series. Um, me personally, I thought I was going to go to seven games, but I mean, it was still very very good, very entertaining six games, I guess, that, you know, went down. But, um, yeah, man, without further ado, I guess let's just hop into it, you dig? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what's there, what's not, you know, to say, you know, I think, uh, uh, the NBA oh, concluded. Uh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, what are we doing, what are we doing, what are we doing? Sorry about that, sorry about that, sorry about that. All right, so it's beautiful. Okay, very anyway, <laughs> that's kind of awkward. All right, but, um, but yeah, guys, I mean, like I said, it was a very fun finals. I think we all understand that. Um, for me personally, obviously, like everyone knows, it was a finals matchup that I did not want to see just because I hate both teams. Um, but as far as what both teams brought, I guess it was, you know, pretty, you know, fun to watch the back and forth. Um, you know, uh, just like, again, like the, the elite defense of the Celtics and then the elite, I guess, I mean, you already know what the Warriors do. I mean, we've been known, but um, yeah, man, it was great. It was fun. Um, Steph won his first finals MVP. Um, and if he didn't win this year, then they would have been an ultimate fraud, but he did. So I guess he saved his legacy with that. Um, but yeah, guys, I don't know. I mean, that's crazy. I had a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, what do you guys want to talk about from the series specifically? I want to talk about how Steph Curry has solidified himself as one of the greatest players of all time. I'm not going to say a lot, a lot of people recently have been saying top 10, I'm not going to deny that he's not top 10, but I'm also not going to say that because I, I, I don't I don't really think about like all time player rankings like a lot of other people do. But what I will say for sure is that Steph Curry got that dog in him and he took that he put that team on his back, Some especially some of those games like there were especially the early games. I think games one through three, Clay really was struggling out there. Could not get anything going offensively. Draymond, even Draymond was not looking too good a couple of games to start the series. So it was more, it was really just like Steph and Wiggins for a lot of those possessions. So to for them to even be 2 1 those first uh, three games, Steph really had to carry a heavy load on offense there. But then as the series progressed, Clay kind of uh, found his rhythm. Uh, Wiggins was incredible. Uh, was incredible on Tatum that whole series. Tatum really struggled from the field. Like we all saw the graphics, like that he was uh well like 34% from the from the field on twos and like he was like over over 40% on threes, but you know, he was really struggling to create his own shot inside and drive in on Draymond and Wiggins, especially game six, man. Watching Wiggins just like he, he was, you know, he was in Tatum's head. Like especially that one was that one possession, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter where he had the open corner three and then Wiggins was coming to close out. And then, you know, that's usually a shot that Tatum would take without uh, hesitation, but he saw Wiggins there and he, and then he traveled with it with what should have been an open shot. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just the whole series, I noticed Wiggins played a huge, 
impact defensively and offensively, especially in that game six to close out. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy for the Warriors. Like I know a lot of people hate on them, but they they wouldn't they wouldn't be here if they didn't have this whole system figured out. They 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 changed the way the NBA's played over the last what eight years that they've been dominating now. So yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy with them. Oh yeah, I'm pretty happy uh they won. I wasn't, you know, rooting for them. I just just uh rooting against a certain you know, team that uh, that happened to lose. So I was happy the Celtics uh, remained one ring since the Ronald Reagan era. So that's pretty good. Uh, and colored TV, I don't know if that was around, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is maybe, that's another thing I could get into about the 2008 ring, but let me finish the main point first is the... Uh, oh, the recession ring? <laughs> no, no, no I'll, I'll talk about it. But the main thing is, you know, like Steph, like, Steph was just – he was a man on a mission. And, you know, like after those two years where they were kind of irrelevant because of injuries and everything, you know, that that was – everyone counted them out. And, you know, as soon as everyone got back together and got healthy, everyone – they made their push. And to be honest, I wasn't really expecting to make it this far and win it. But, you know, like they, they just conquered and I've – Bet that made it even sweeter to come back and win, especially without KD. I know that was a big topic because, like, they were winning without KD and they kept all their seats and everything. And, you know, like, but, you know, even Clay, what you were saying, like, Clay had some, like, terrible games, like, shooting. Like, his shot selection was just – it got me pissed off because I was just, like, hoping, like, a pull away. But he was taking, like, fadeaways and, like, the contested shots – you know, like maybe like it's like Clay, he would make it, but like, dude, it was just he doesn't have that same step anymore, so it, it doesn't really work. It's almost it's like him and Wiggins traded places. Yeah, basically, yeah, and like it was just hard, like it's hard to watch, and you could see his decline, and like also Draymond, you know, obviously stepped up like game six when he needed to, but like before, like he fouled out, like I think it was the first three games. I don't know, it was three, three times, four, but I think. yeah, like that's just. And they still, you know, they still got a game out of it. Two one, it was two one at that point, or maybe two two by the time he fouled up three times. But either way, like it made it harder on Steph. But then you you also had Wiggins definitely step up and Poole had his couple games that you know definitely helped. So props, Steph, you finally got that um, Finals MVP. Uh, I was just, I was just really happy that the Celtics could remain at 17 because we got to overtake them. But uh, I, I'll i speak on that point, though. I realized that that 2008 ring, like the Celtics have, they are like – they milk it. Like I've noticed on like Twitter and stuff, like they really, really, really milk that cho- like championship. Like they like disregard – I see people like disregard this like championship, like this like run because they lost. And they're like, oh, well, like, 2018 was so good, though. I'm like, okay, that was, like, 15 years ago, though. So, it's like, what's your point? Well, I but mean, like, like – That's what I noticed is, like, they just, like – they bank off that, like, it's, like, their whole history. It's crazy. Well, I mean, they, like, like you said, they haven't won a ring besides that one in an extremely long time since the Larry Bird uh, era, I think. So, I think so, you know, it's, like – I'm sure that I'm sure like a team like Toronto is also going to hang on to their championship throughout the years as well. Like if they, if they end up not winning another one. So, you know, it, it makes sense. 
Well, that's there's a difference because that was their first one. Like, they, they had like, well, I don't know if you count the, you know, like the plumber days with eight teams in the league, but like still though, this is the Raptors who had just won their one. Obviously, like, like we're Eagles fans. Like I'm always gonna hold on to that like like Super Bowl. Like, but if we were like the Patriots or something, like when we had 20 championships and we last one won like eight years ago, like I I don't know. It's just weird. Like they I just. I just love how they like deflected everything, and that the whole like they're turning on Tatum now, like it's so crazy, it's so yeah, that's, happy, so that, fast. That's kind of that's kind of out of that's kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. Like he was incredible all playoffs long, like really, like that, like there's, like I, I think he's kind of like propelled himself into like top ten current conversation, mm-hmm. but yeah, like he he really struggled that series. I I won't blame him. It's it, there were times where it seemed like Brown was like their number one scoring option. Tatum really did step up. Uh, like he, he was asked to be a, like a primary playmaker, which isn't really like what he does on the floor. But I thought he did it like, like the, you know, the stat where like he now is the all time leader in like turnovers in a single postseason. But I do think his playmaking was pretty good throughout the whole playoffs. Yeah. No, regardless. Like, yeah. Exactly. But he, he, he just had a heavy, uh, much heavier load on offense, especially when Smart got hurt. I think it was like near the end of the Milwaukee series. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I feel like, yeah, like, I mean, we saw we heard the noise coming out of the Celtics, especially when their whole midseason thing came out. How like you know, I remember like Smart was complaining about how like it's just you know give it to those two guys and they just kind of do their thing. I feel like obviously they didn't really do much, I guess, to address that. Um, as far as like a quite another playmaker, I mean they got Derek White, but he's not like the true true answer. But I think I feel like you know probably the, the team and probably Adoka himself probably like kind of challenged Tatum to be like, yo, like obviously you're like the best player here. You're gonna have to use that gravity to you know set up your teammates. And that's a great point, too, because I feel like Tatum did a good, really good job, um, you know, facilitating. It's a similar thing to the whole KD thing. Remember, like, we were talking about how KD was taking more of, like, a, like a, I guess, like a point guard type responsibility, and he's actually doing a pretty good thing, too. It's like, it wasn't really asked of them before, but, you know, they actually <laughs> – Sorry. They actually came they actually came through, and, uh, you know, like, they actually, you know, did their job. But, I mean, obviously, like, their shots weren't falling as much as you'd like to, you know, but – it's like, bro, and another thing about Katie, oh, not Katie, uh, Tatum is like, bro, he's like, what, like 24 going on 25 or is it 24. 25 already? Yeah, it's like, bro, like, it was his first mm-hmm. finals, first option. He's doing all this, all these, like, he has tests with all these things. He's like, he's literally like, like, basically someone who just graduated college, basically. You know what I mean? It's like, you're he's putting 24 in, years yeah. old. He's been to the conference finals four times already. Yeah, right. And it's like, it's like, it's like, but he's getting to the finals, like, let him, like, he's going up against like the seasoned veteran team. You know what I mean? So it's like, and again, like, what we said before, it's like, and a lot of credit goes to Wiggins too, because I think Wiggins really stepped up. Obviously, his defense. Um, ever since he's got wigs. the Golden State, what was that? Two way wigs. Two way wigs. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Obviously, it was really fun to rip on him and hate on him a couple years ago when he was like in Minnesota and stuff. But like when he would score like eight the one game and then like you know what I mean, like eighteen the next game on like four of twenty shooting type. You know what I mean? It was like fun to rip on him then, but like now, like like again, like major props again because like he actually did his job. And um, I mean, I think we were all joking about it in the chat. Like honestly, like. Like, you know, there was, like, moments slash, like, games where, you know, Wiggins really kind of just saved the day for the Warriors sometimes. So, um, yeah, no, major yeah, problem. rebounding that. was inc- – like, the, a, yeah. the big problem with early on the series for the Warriors was their rebounding. Like, Robert Williams and Horford were just crashing the glass. They couldn't really get anything going. They, they, they were turning the ball over. The Celtics just had a lot more possessions than they had at the end of the day. That's what kind of led them to the win. Like, throughout that whole series, the Warriors uh, – the Warriors' offense – like was kind of consistent. Like they were around like the 100, 110 range, like I think every game. But then once once they started rebounding the ball and playing better defense throughout the series, 
Like Draymond started playing a lot better as the series went along. Uh, they played even though Looney wasn't starting by the end of the series, they, he was still playing more minutes than he was before. Which was I think I think they did that because they they realized that uh, Robert Williams was uh, being t- like the the way Udoka was handling the rotation. He had Williams coming out pretty early and going to the one big lineups with Horford, and then going back to Williams when Horford would come out, just kind of sw- switching off between those two. So he'd have Looney come back in when uh, when Robert Williams would come back in the game, and I thought that was like pretty smart on Kerr's part, having having that. Uh, go down, but yeah, Wiggins was rebounding the ball a lot. Looney too. Gary Payton was incredible the last few games when he came back. Uh, it felt like the Celtics defense was just collapsing those last few games. Like Gary Payton, all he would have to do is cut to the basket, and he would have like wide open layups down low. Right, like especially the backdoor cuts. Like he he's so good at just like kind of sneaking around guys. Yeah, no, it's a good point too because I think um I saw a clip from remember like the whole detail thing that Kobe started. Like, uh-huh. I think uh, Reddick was uh, – J.J. Reddick was, like, uh, narrating one of them. And it's, like – I think it was, like, what, a game five, I think. It was, like, the Celtics were doing a lot of those, like, point switches. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they weren't really talking. You know, I remember it was, like, that one play where, like, they tried to set a screen, like, off-ball screen for Curry. And then, like, Smart cut him off. But then uh, Williams didn't completely switch on him. Like, he started, like, pointing to him and stuff. And it's, like, it's just, like, the little things like that. I, I think the Celtics kind of, like – it's right. They kind of like fell apart there. And it's, like – their communication got really weird. And that's another thing too about game five, which I kind of noticed is like they started the game kind of poor on defense. And I remember like literally after like halftime, they, they came out and they played really aggressive. Like that, that initial defense that we saw from them. Right. And they, they, they did that. And then they were doing it for like about like halfway through the quarter and then they stopped, you know what I mean? And then same thing with game six, they started off, you know, energetic on both sides. And then they just let the Warriors come back and like, they took multiple timeouts and they didn't like, do anything. I thought that was really weird, kind of uncharacteristic from them, because they dealt with a lot of, like, you know, good firepower and, like, a lot of answers from the teams they've played so far, and they've had, like, defensive answers the entire time, and I think, like, this time, like, I thought that was kind of odd, and another thing, too, it's, like, especially, like, game six, too, it's, like, you kind of see it, like, um, it's just, I thought it was kind of weird, it's, like, yeah, like I said, like, explosive start, and then they just, like, lose all gas, and they make a comeback, and then they lose all gas. Like, that was, like, more of the recent games, you know what I mean, after, like, game three. I feel like game four, five, six, was definitely like that. So I was like, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was very, very uh, weird. I mean, I guess the Celtics might have just got out of class at a certain point. Maybe they just got gas and stuff. But, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I just think, like, it's it's true. I think that's a good point, too, because I think it's, like, again, we know the Celtics are, like, an elite team on defense. But I thought that, like, you know, what, what happened there was kind of sus. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, bro, like, we know y'all capable of better being better. But, um yeah, I don't know. That was uh, that was definitely a very fun series, though. And I think, like, yeah, like, Clay, like you guys said, Clay was acting, like, very weird. He took some very questionable uh, shots and decisions, I guess, in general, in the fast break when we were talking about it um, in one of the games. And then, uh, and then I mean, yeah, like I said, Poole's – I mean, Poole was cool. He had his moments here and there. And then JTA Poole, did his- Poole would have, like, every game he would have, like, one stretch, usually at the end of the third quarter when Steph's out, where he just, like – Pop off, yeah. He just yeah. goes ballistic. Like, he, he yeah, was – like. He had, he had a third quarter buzzer beater, like from half court, like twice in the series. Like and those are big just like, stuff like that that just energizes the team going into the fourth. Yeah, those are big, like energy shifters. Like at least you have that, and like not contributing at all. Like just those, like those are big enough because it's game by game. So like those, those kind of switches are just all you need. And so also, like in the, the stands. Yeah. Plus, like. It's crazy on like the value of contract that he's making. 
three million next year or three point nine million next year. It's on his rookie contract. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. That's the thing too. It's like the I, I saw. Uh, I think it was on who said. I think Brian Windhorst said it actually. He said that uh, the Warriors are only good because of their payroll or something like that. But it's like, yeah, the reason they're able to retain all these guys is because they draft them all, and then they can then they just have their rights. They just you know they have all these got really good rotation players who are on these rookie scale contracts that they develop every year in the draft. You have uh, guys like Jordan Poole, like you said. Um, they they got they got Looney twenty fifteen, and he's been there ever since. They're just like you know just these these homegrown guys. They're keeping them on the roster, then and then the guys that they do end up bringing in are like vet minimum scale guys who like they know will be able to fit in their system, like heavy ball movement, off ball movement, uh, setting screens for guys to get open. You know, this yeah. is like they know what their system is, and like 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 what we said uh, last year, last season, uh, when they had Kelly Oubre, or not last season, what was that two years ago? They had Oubre. No, no, it was last season actually. Yeah. Yeah, they had they had Ubre last season. Then you know, as the uh, as they started to approach the uh, play in, like they started to take out all all the guys that were like you know didn't really fit their style of offense. They started to reduce their minutes, and then they started playing a lot better. That was what they said. Uh, they talked about that too after the game. Like they said, they went on that run at the end of the season last year. Did you feel like you were like uh, kind of getting a lot more comfortable like with what you were running? Like did it feel like the the old run and they were like, yeah, that's when they realized that we, they can run it back next year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, like that's, that's also true. So it's like, yeah, like, again, I hate the warriors, but again, major props to their system a and then B like finding all the diamonds in the rough, I guess, quote unquote, um, like, you know, like pool and the JTA and all them guys. But, um, and even like Gary Payton too, like we've seen that, you know, how we all know the story about, you know, how, uh, what's it called? Like he was gone, and you know they gave him like a tryout and all that. So like I think like just like, stuff like that. Like and again, like major props to them um, for, for putting together. You know, um, I guess like an actual like I guess like well machine and a roster. And I think like even I mean I guess even when this like current like I guess Splash Brothers and Draymond's like done. Like I mean we talked about it before. They still have you know really nice young pieces. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's I mean it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be cool. Uh, but next year, I think unfortunately, Celtics wasted their chance. Uh, because I mean, the Cavs are coming, uh, you know what I mean? So, I don't even know. Personally, I just want to make another point too about the Celtics. I remember you mentioned earlier, Christy, about uh, in game six, how they were like calling all these like really quick timeouts because they couldn't get anything going in the second half. And I think, I think it's just funny, like, not not even just the series, but like in general, like, whenever uh, the Celtics call like a bad run and you may calls a timeout. Every single time they come over to to the coach's huddle, he always starts off by going, "Yo guys, what the fuck are we doing? Why are you guys playing like a bunch of assholes out there?" What? Do that. Yeah, yeah. Says that? Yeah. I I, that it's, it's, it's so funny. That's hilarious. I also really like how uh, Robert Williams has played this series, especially for someone who's like questionable every single game, going into every game. Yeah. He, yeah. Like he, I thought he played his ass off this series defensively. I think it was game six. Uh, at one point in the first half or the first three quarters, whatever it was, uh, the Warriors were like one for fourteen with him as the primary defender, and they you could you could tell that especially like when he was going to that. There was one run in one of the games where he had like two or three blocks in a row, and they just they were just trying to avoid him at all costs. I thought he was really good, especially. 
when they started switching more too. I thought he handled himself pretty well. Yeah. Uh, later. I was about in to that say that. They tried putting him on Curry and he just shut Curry down too. And I was like, damn, like you know what I mean? Like I think he, he blocked one of Curry's shots, I think, too. Um, that's the guys you kind. Of, that's the guys you need. It's like you just who could guard like basically one through five. Like yeah. that's like essential in today's NBA. I feel like I, I I feel like you need that to win now, and just three and D wings. Like that's the key. Like a Vandermeer. Yeah. Like the, I thought, the biggest problem for the okay. Celtics was the fact that uh, after pretty much after the Milwaukee series, Grant Williams kind of like. Cooled, cooled off like the Miami series. Oh, yeah. He, oh, he was yeah. still solid in the Miami series, but he wasn't like nearly as effective yeah, he was as he was in the Milwaukee series. Yeah, no, he was. Was. <laughs> Every game, he would just try yeah. to first on with Draymond. Yeah, he, he, he's, like, he's definitely like he, he, he's definitely a good like for those small ball like Horford or with like him with Horford or Williams, like those lineups, he's pretty good. But like when, you, when you're asking him to guard like smaller lineups like Golden State runs or sometimes when Miami runs. Like he can't keep up with those guards on the perimeter. Like if they were to switch something like that, he he's definitely like more of a, a wing defender. He's not like he can't switch on to like all the the better point guards in the league or whatever like that. And then that, also, like, also early in the series, like the Celtics bench was incredible. Like Derek White, especially game one, oh, Derek White, geez. Smart, and Horford just went ballistic from three. And then the very next game, like Horford had two points. Derek White didn't shoot very efficiently. I think Smart had like single digit points as well, mm-hmm. and then af- like a- after after like the first two or three games, like they weren't really getting much production out of any. Well, Smart was good, but I mean like out of their bench players, like Grant Williams, Derek White, Pritchard, none of them were able to really get going throughout most of that series, and that was a real big problem for Boston because you could tell that Tatum was getting really gassed in the second half. Mm-hmm. Game Game Six, I think it was like halfway through the third quarter, he had eleven points. And he finished the game with 13. I don't think he scored until like near the end of the fourth quarter again. Like he, oh, you, could, you could really, yeah, you could really tell yeah. the heavy toll of minutes was was uh, playing on him. Um, yeah, facts. I mean, I was gonna ask y'all a question honestly because I was actually thinking about it during the game, like at least during game six. Um, but before I said, it was like a preface. It's like obviously I understand that you know foul trouble was all there and all that, but especially at the point where it started getting out of hand. Right, and I, I was thinking about this too. Right? I'm not trying to sound like I'm sort of like savant or whatever, but I was thinking about it, right? And uh, Van Gundy brought it up too. But I was going to ask you all this too, like personally, I guess each of you, like – You talking about the take fouls? Huh? You talking about the take fouls? No, not that. Not the, well, oh, okay. I mean, the one, Tatum, the one Tatum had was pretty dumb in my opinion. Mm. Um, but, no, it's not that. I think there was a point when the Warriors went on a crate, like obviously the run, and they started going up a lot, right? I was very surprised, especially the fact that, you know, they were down 3-2, right? I was surprised that Udoka didn't put back the unit that they started the game with. You know what I mean? Once he started yeah. changing up the lineups, like they, then the Warriors started pouncing. You know what I mean? They just went off, right? And I, again, again, I understand there was obviously a foul trouble, but again, especially being in a three-two situation, you see like how fast the Warriors like jumped on it. Like, and by that time, like by the time like all that happened, I, I would say that the starters or whatever they had at least like like six, seven minutes of rest. You know what I mean? That should be adequate in a game seven. I mean, game six, close that situation, like fighting for your playoff lives, right? I feel like that should be more than adequate. I just feel like, like I said, Van Gundy said it too. Like, I think like, I just thought it was kind of weird on Odoko's part to like kind of sit them like for as long as they did and not really bring them back. But I'm saying like, personally, I, I'm asking you guys, like, what would you guys have done? Like, am I tripping? Like, do you think like he did the right thing or what? Like, I know as far as I think, I'm like, bro, especially in a situation like that, I think you try to, you know, stop the noise by, you know, bringing back the team that, or the, the, the unit that, you know, gave you all that, that, like, it's like that good start. You know what I mean? Like for uh, me, like, 
yeah it's just like an experience thing honestly that's one thing i guess to learn from that but like you gotta like you have to keep the the lineup that you got you there like if you just take if you just completely wipe that lineup out of the way it's just it takes away your momentum right and gets shaky like obviously like there's like that lineup that wasn't on the floor may contain your stars but that still doesn't mean like it, it's all a momentum thing like, I, like the nba is really just one on runs like that's what it's all about it's just right. runs like going on runs and that's how you're gonna win or lose games so like if you're gonna give that up just to put your stars back in and, and there's nothing wrong with putting your stars back in because you want them obviously but if you're, you know, if you're going to have, like, a Gary Payton, like, Wiggins, like, Clay Wiggins, something like that, no, nothing with Steph or, like, save the Warriors. Like, it's like Steph is out of the lineup. He's on the bench. But your team's going off. But, you know, obviously you want Steph back in. But if this team is bringing you, like, a crazy run, like, 21-0 run, like, this, uh, like the Warriors run, why would you take that out? Why would you just – let them ride it out until, you know, maybe a few shots to fall in and start to score like two in a row. Then you maybe call a timeout and bring it together. But it's just like you can't really – you can't do that. Like, it's just – it's just going to ruin everything. And that's like another thing. With the, like, that's, like, that's what Vogel – like, that was – like, bring it back to the Lakers too. Like, I, I see it. Like, it's happened all the time. Like, Vogel did that and, like, he like, oh, because Westbrook is a star. I have to bring him in because, you know, he's a star. He's making that much money. so. I had to take out the guys that made a run. It's like just all around in sports, you just can't do that. Like it's just the NBA is so focused on like making runs, and that's how you win games. And that's important. So like you you have to follow that. I think another thing for the Celtics specifically with their uh, starting unit is that yeah, they came out a lot of those games like going up. Uh, like they, I think game six, they're up twelve two to start. And I know, like, the two-big lineup with Horford and Williams has worked pretty well for them in a decent amount of minutes in the series. But especially late in the games, like, having having two bigs out there is putting a lot more ball-handling responsibility on Tatum and Brown. And I know you want the ball in their hands late in the game, but we've seen, like, in the past, like, how they they tend to turn to iso ball and how we talked about how they turned it around this season, like, adding more ball handlers like Derek White and giving more minutes to guys like Pritchard and Grant Williams, how they've been able to, like, move the ball more. And I think that's the best course of action that could have went offensively late in the game, especially considering they were down double digits uh, in the third. I think they were down by, like, almost 20 near the end of the third. And then beginning of the fourth, they started to, like, make a, a, a little run. But then Golden State kind of uh, put it away with, like, a they had, like, that one run, the, the run where Golden State had in the middle of the fourth, like, around five minutes left where Steph hit, like, two threes in a row, then Otto Porter hit a three, and then Steph hit another one. But, yeah, I feel like offensively the the Celtics needed to try to match up with the Warriors, especially with the spacing and ball movement, like I was saying. Like, having Horford and Williams out there puts a lot more pressure on Tatum and Brown to make these plays. And, you know, having a guy like White out there like they did, uh, just it's another guy who can handle the ball and move it and get it where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that's also true, too, because it's like when you consider, like, how productive he was in the beginning and kind of the fall off and stuff. Like I said, I just think, like, again, in a game six situation, especially because, you know, these guys are conditioned to run back and forth. And you got – I mean, I'm not saying, like um, – Aaron, obviously, I know you had to go out. I mean, quick thing, I'm just saying, like, 
because you obviously we've, we've seen superstars like you know play 48 minutes a game you know what I mean it's like again in a situation like that I feel like like obviously yeah it's it's uh, that's what, like all right like in the playoffs like usually teams have one like what like a seven man rotation eight man most you know what I mean like you know what I mean but I, especially in a situation like that I just felt like Adoka kind of accidentally or maybe not accidentally but I guess like he ran with the reserves a little too long you know what I mean I feel like he should just went back um and like there was a moment I guess in the second half where like Curry was sitting for a low-key a minute and the Celtics were kind of doing stuff but then they didn't also have energy on defense so like so the Warriors were still kind of applying pressure so it was weird like I don't know I feel like I feel like Adoka should have I guess managed it better um but but here's the minutes for games you're talking about game six right now right yeah. Well, here's for game six. They pretty much ran a seven man rotation. Pritchard only played seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek White played 16. Grant Williams played 15. And they, they don't really run like bench units. They just, they kind of just like sub one guy out, bring one guy in, usually like stuff like that. Like either Tatum or Brown is on the floor at all times. One of, at least one of them. Tatum played 40 minutes in game six. And uh, Brown played 44. Robert Williams played 32. Horford 39, Smart 38. So, you know, I feel like they, he did the best he could, especially considering guys like Williams and Smart and Tate. I think Tate, you can tell Tatum just had a shoulder problem yeah. yeah. also. Like, considering all of his guys are, like, pretty banged up and it's already, like, kind of a it's – already, it's already, like, kind of a luxury that they're able to still play through their injuries and at the level that they have, too, to get two games out of the finals. Like, I feel like he did the best he could with the lineup construction. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I just I just think that that run that they went on was kind of was kind of crazy not to put in sooner. But that's that's what I thought. But um, I mean, I guess that's true too. But I mean, it's not like the Celtics care about the players' health anyway. Am I right? <laughs> I Isaiah, Isaiah, Thomas. Thought Isaiah Thomas tweet. Isaiah Thomas and Robert. yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, I heard that before with the knee thing. Yeah, yeah. The what thing. a shame, dude! What a shame that that was. Yeah, but and then they gave him. To us, that knowing he wasn't even hundred percent, bro. That that's what, bro, and I hate Boston. Like that's to say, like I hate both teams. I especially for that, like, bro. It's, so you're saying you wouldn't take Colin Sexton for Kyrie? I mean, for that, I'm thankful for it for sure. But I mean, but again, but the issue at the time was, you know, LeBron's final year, and then, you know, we thought we would get at least not thirty points per game, but at least like a like a solid twenty. You know what I mean? And then, like, Jay Crowder. Oh, I'm not going to say anything. Wait, what year was that? Uh, 1718. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so IT was in the finals? No, nah, because remember, he went to the Lakers. Remember, they tra- we traded him. Oh, that was that. Oh, he didn't finish full season there? Nah. Uh, it happened to the Eagles yeah. parade, remember? I think, I think he played less than yeah. 10 games. No, that was, the, that was the day that that trade happened was the Eagles parade because I remember I was yeah. – in the middle of the street, and like there was the signal was awful. But then when I got uh, notifications back, that's what I saw. It was like yeah. Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> that was the trade Nance. deadline. The day of the Eagles parade, I was just I was there just yeah. on my phone the whole time, just refreshing. <laughs> and it we had like, like forty trades go down. We like, we completely just yeah. yeah. That was crazy. That was the that was the night before, because I, I remember waking up for like at five in the morning or four in the morning, and I was watching Sports Center, and that was the night that LeBron. Hit the the game winner over Jimmy and the Wolves in overtime. It was that, that night. night? That yeah, it was the night before. I woke up. Oh, that. I saw that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's how I remember that vividly. Yeah, remember? I yeah. think it was after that after that game winning shot. I remember everyone celebrating and like LeBron didn't dap it up and they started posting that everywhere. 
they start like zooming in. I'm like LeBron ignoring IT. And they're like, yo, trade incoming, right? And then oh, I guess, like, did he? I don't remember that part. Yeah, but... it, was, it was funny. It was hilarious. I was like, okay. That Jimmy, Jimmy Timberwolves era was pretty weird. <laughs> I still remember the trade that happened. On, that was a draft night, I think. I still yeah. remember that. Yeah. For Larry Markman. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was we, we were at Harsh. I remember that. We were watching that. Yeah, that maybe good. I think 2018 draft, 2017 draft, maybe 2017. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the, they played Houston that series, right? And they lost. They lost to Houston in the first round. Yeah, in the first round. Yeah, I think yeah. it's. I think they won. I think they would have won. They won one game. Yeah, they won one game. Yeah, like Houston winning 60 games, like that kind of Houston. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, they're it was, it was a crazy. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I have to head out now, but I'll let you finish. Uh, I mean, well, I guess it's a sign off for Mr. Monkamiri. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Monkamiri has joined yes. us for the final recap. Yeah, we we already we already hit thirty minutes. I didn't notice. <laughs> oh, look at that! Look at that! What did I say? Yeah. It's pre-planned. You know what I mean? Thirty-two minutes. But uh, yes. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mokumeri, for taking time out of your day uh, to appear on our podcast. I know it's a lot to ask, but uh, I'm just kidding. But, um, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, wish him luck on his exams um, that he has on Monday, which no one cares about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. I bet Aaron's real happy he doesn't have to watch basketball for, what, three, four months now? Yeah, Aaron. There's can... literally no sports on, too. That's great. That's, just the, that's the thing. Actually, that's baseball is on at the hockey finals. So. <sighs> Oh, yeah. yeah, I gotta, I gotta go sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all right, all, all right, boys. I'll see y'all in the faithful listeners. Thank you, and I will be listening to the rest of the podcast when it's uploaded. All right, very thorough, very thorough. All right, Mr. Mulcahy, yes. good night. Thank you. All right. No flow, Mr. Kiss. There. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Anyway. Well, yeah, I guess that's yeah. a wrap on the NBA season. Uh, like you said, the finals were pretty awesome. Even though every game was, uh, and I'm pretty sure every game in the series actually ended up being double digit uh, win for whoever won. Yeah, right. But the games were closer than the score told. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a good series overall, and you know I'm, I'm happy with the result. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. We we got what we expected. You know what I mean? It was gonna be like a back and forth affair, and uh, yeah, I mean we said it was gonna be six seven game series and the from jump so. Um, I'm happy we got what we, you know, we had, especially considering the fact that, you know, the earlier rounds were kind of, eh, you know what I mean? But um, I mean, personally, I mean, I, I liked, I mean, I was, I mean, I had no problems with it really, but obviously people were like, oh, the blowouts and all that, which did happen a little too often for my liking, I guess. But, um, but yeah, whatever. Steph, I mean, Steph finally uh, gets the finals MVP that he deserves. Should have had it in 2015, but you know, now he's got it. He's got one in his uh, trophy case. He'll go, he'll go down in history. As I think, I think he's like the third player, six two or under to win Finals MVP. I think I saw that somewhere. It was like him, Isaiah Thomas, not the Celtics one. Oh, well, and uh, Tony Parker. Oh, Tony Parker. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, that's true. Um, but yeah, finals are done now, and all eyes are to well, first of all, the draft. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Podcast Here's coming this first. week for sure with uh, with Rish, <laughs> special guest. Shout out! It's a uh, eye emoji, eye emoji. Um, but yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen, it is this Thursday on the 23rd. Yes, 23rd. Um, I can't wait personally, even though, I mean, even we don't even have a top pick, but the guys that are available, I can't wait for. Like, honestly, I've been doing a lot of scouting on those guys and I'm actually really excited. Um, but with, I mean, well, I mean, obviously it's going to be the draft. It's going to be, you know, the off season. It's going to be a lot of, you know, talking. There's already some stuff that went down already. 
Um, and I guess let's kick it off with the whole Christian Wood trade um, that saw Houston sending him uh, to Dallas for who was it? Boban. Boban. Marquis uh, Chris. Trey Burke, Sterling Brown, and the 26th pick in the draft. So basically four guys who were not in their rotation. Yeah. And pick and, 26. And pick 26. So I mean, um, I think um I think the reactions to that were kind of universally the same, at least for me. I thought like I thought I was like, damn, that's really it, you know, for you know, Christian Wood. And I thought like a lot of people on Twitter were saying the same thing. I thought his price tag would be a little bit more heftier because essentially they just traded him for the 26th pick. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like I just thought that was kind of crazy, but um, especially when you consider his like his modern day skill set, you know, he's like a what, like six nine, six ten. He can shoot the three, he can put the ball on the floor. Um, you know, he's somewhat of a you know like a three level game. Like it's like obviously his defense isn't too crazy, but honestly, like if it's if it's too much of an issue, you could just put him at you know the four if he really needed to. Be. Like so, it's like, um, yeah. I mean, I thought that was a very interesting trade. I, I like it for Dallas a lot because I feel like it's like the third, like the another like offensive guy that they can really use. Um, as far as defense goes, obviously they don't. He doesn't really do much to the. Uh, I guess the rim protection error, or, or the, well, the whole rim protection conundrum that they had. Um, but I was saying, like, yo, if they get him, put him at the four, and then, like, I don't know. I'd, personally, I would go after, like, JaVale or something like that. You know what I mean? I thought that would be pretty cool. Like, JaVale, put him at the five or something like that. I don't know. But I think, like, they have avenues, though. But I like this, like, acquisition as a whole because it's, like, again, it's another, like, offensive guy. Um, you know, he can – he's not, like, a wing or perimeter player. Like, he can, but obviously he's more so, like, you know, he's a big man. So – uh, to kind of give Luke another like actual good option off of that is uh, very helpful for him. Um, but I mean, I like the trade, I guess for, I mean, I guess for both sides, I mean, I guess, I mean, I think like Houston again, like um, we're starting to have beef with, uh, I know Cavs and fans, Houston fans have beef. So that's another beef to watch out for. But again, like, I think I really like uh, Houston's core and how they've been kind of you know doing things. So um, I think we're having the 26th pick again, is another guy to add again, look, this draft, what I was saying earlier, I think this draft, what I really like about it, obviously there's no like Zion or Luca this year, but the thing is there's a lot of like, there's a lot of guys who can come in and have multiple, they have multiple skills, you know what I mean? And I think um, there's like a wide range of those guys, and especially again, late lottery, mid range, like late first, even second rounders. We we're talking about like, guys like Andrew Nemhard, who's like rising. Um, there's a bunch of names like Johnny Juzang, I guess. And then there's like the one white bull from, uh, from Auburn and stuff. I forgot his name. Uh, but he's like some big tall white ball. I forgot, but he has, he led the SEC or whatever in blocks. I forgot his name, but like, there's like a bunch of people. There's a bunch of depth in this draft. You know what I mean? So. Is Walker uh, Kessler the one from Auburn? Yeah. Kessler. So, yeah. Kessler. So, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think Kessler. yeah um, yeah. So it's like, yeah. Adding another pick in this draft, especially for Houston. You know what I mean? I think it's a great uh, move for them, but I think overall it's good for both sides. And I mean, I guess I'm going to, I guess not even keep half these players on the roster. I mean, they might keep Boban or something. Maybe not. I don't know, but. I don't know. It's going to be interesting for sure. But, I mean, I thought it was a cool trade. I, I What's it called? Uh, just before I get on my thoughts on the wood trade, uh, I, I saw the, in the chat, why well, I said in the chat that uh, the Sixers are going to end up uh, getting Boban if he gets bought out by uh, Houston or whatever. They're, he's probably going to be our backup center, just like the random vet minimum guy that we sign <laughs> every year to back up. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, yeah, but uh, regarding the wood trade, I, I think it's good for both sides. Like a lot of people were universe. Like, like you said, I feel like it wasn't universal uh, praise for the wood trade. I feel like most people were fine with it just because like, you know, they didn't really have to give up too much. Like there was basically the 26 pick and then four guys who weren't playing for them anyway. But uh, yeah, I think offensively Christian Wood fits in really great with Luca. 
Like we've seen Luca bring out the best in guys who can roll to the rim like Dwight Powell or guys who can pop like Kleba. And Christian Wood can do both of those things at a really high level. They don't got to yeah. go like either or now. I think I think if you have like a Wood and Kleba lineup, like that can kind of offset the the defensive the like the bad defense that Wood's shown these last couple years. But then again, also I will say Wood's a guy who's like a high, like he's very athletic, high energy. I feel like especially him being in a contract year now too, I think he could definitely step up and like Jason Kidd's got them guys playing yeah, really good defense. Too, right, exactly, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I think it's not like completely out of the question that he can improve on that end. Mm. And Yeah, you know, size he, too. He's like 6'9", six, 6'10", six, right? Like, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, like, yeah. There, it's it's a low-risk, high-reward trade for right. Dallas. So I don't, I don't mind the move at all. Exactly. Especially if, if it doesn't if it doesn't work out on that end, then they don't really need to play him like closing the game. They can go like offense defense with Kleba or whatever they need to do right. something like that. But yeah, I, I like the trade for Dallas for Houston. You were I, I know you were saying that like his you were surprised his trade value was really low. A lot of people were saying that, but uh, at the deadline last year, Houston was trying to move him, and there wasn't really too much interest around the league. So it doesn't really shock me that all that much that they only got the twenty six pick. But you know, first round picks a first round pick. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of guys that Houston could give a flyer on late in the first round that would kind of more fit their timeline anyway. Right. Houston's also got the third pick, so whoever's left over from Chet, Paolo, and Jawari Smith is going to be on the Rockets most likely. Those guys play four and five as oh, like Paolo. their primary position. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, regardless, that'll open up minutes for them uh, whenever they come in. So yeah, I don't, I don't mind the trade at all. I think it was good for both sides. In the, in the long run, right? Um, no, that's facts too. But I feel like, I, I, if I'm not tripping, wasn't it because wasn't like Houston asking for a lot at the time at the deadline? Wasn't that what happened or something like that? It, it might have been. Yeah, they might have been asking for like two first rounders, like a um, young yeah, player. Some, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. You're not right. for Christian Wood. Yeah, ex- yeah. Well, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't really get along with a lot of his teammates there either. Like he, he is, he is, he hasn't been on any winning teams in his career yet. Like he played for Detroit and mm-hmm. kind of like made a name for himself there. Then he got the deal in Houston, thought yeah. he was going to come to a winning environment with Harden, and a month later, Harden dips, and he's kind of there with all these young guys. Yeah. So, you, you know, like, I, I feel like, I feel like he'll be pretty well in Dallas. Like, I, I think he's, I think he's willing to, like, make changes to a game and put in the work if it's yeah, going to no, result right. in, in him winning. No, exactly. The whole Jason Kidd point, too, it's like, yeah, I think, like, Kidd really kind of extracted a lot of the defense from those guys. And I mean, we talked about it like I think the conference finals recap, like how like how impressive Cleaver was on defense. So um like I feel like again Cleaver can definitely try to help shore up, you know, some stuff on defense for for Wood. But like, like you said, I think like contract year, again, he has the tools, you know what I mean? I think he's just buy in, they'll be chilling. But uh, like I said, yeah, trade is good for both sides. But um yeah, definitely be you know interested to see what the the Mavericks can do and how Luca can kind of play with that, you know, I guess. Uh, offensive Swiss Army knife type guy with Wood, I guess, um, especially in that like that big position. But um, I also uh, saw a lot of people saying that like, did what? What was the point of the Mavs trading Porzingis? They're just gonna bring guy like Wood and anybody who does the same thing. And I will say mm-hmm. Wood is not the same type of player that Porzingis is. Like Porzingis is obviously very talented, and I would probably say that he's a better player than Christian Wood. But you know, Wood's not a guy who's going to demand the ball from Luca and try to like. Uh, you know, take away touches from anyone else on the team. He's a guy who's going to, like, he, he knows that he'll benefit off someone else creating offense for him, He's and he's okay with that. He's really, like, he, I, I told, I could tell from last season, even when he did have the ball, too, 
uh, hit, hit, hit him driving to the rim and like uh, finishing through contact has gotten like really, really good. Like, especially at the end of the season last year, I think he was shooting like 57% from the field, like 45% from three on like tw- over 20 points per game at the end of the season last year. I forget what team I was watching the one game live. I forget what, I forget what team he was playing, but the there was like the third or fourth quarter. He was making like every shot he was taking, pretty much like these crazy like step back contested threes. Mm-hmm. He was really feeling himself to end that season last year. So, you know, I I definitely don't mind the move for Dallas. I was actually kind of surprised that the there was a move made this early on though. In, yeah, in, no, thanks. yeah. Like the off season wasn't even like the finals aren't even over yet. I mean. Yeah, and there's already teams like making calls and everything. And they pull the trigger, right? That's what I'm saying. That's that's another good point too, because I feel like if anything, like the the Rockets were gonna let like rosters like kind of you know get set and come together and see what teams get become desperate and stuff. But yeah, that's a good point. I thought it was kind especially, of especially a team like the Mavs too. Like they just lost, they were just in the conference finals and and got booted by the Warriors. Yeah, and then instantaneously like they're Probably. already they're already making moves. Yeah, Fact. like I like I, I like the move for them, but it's just like. You would think that they would want to wait and see like what else is what other options are on the table like going into the draft like or post draft whatever. Right. Especially with twenty six pick too, right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Cause, yeah, because who knows if something better could have came up? But you know, I think that's a good move regardless. It was just yeah. kind of caught me off guard. Right. No, that's that's a good point. Um, but speaking of another trade that went down uh, between OKC and Denver, um, which saw OKC trading pick number thirty, uh, to Denver for Jamichael Green and two future seconds, um. I mean, I think – I mean, all in all, I mean, I think this is just another Sam Presti move. I mean, I guess he just got another, like, vet that he could probably try to flip and then another, like, more – I guess more picks. Um, but for Denver, um, they're going to use – I think they're trying to use this pick to move up, right? Is that what the whole rumor is, right? Uh, I saw that that's definitely something that they could do because I think they have, like, a decent amount – like, they they have a bunch of non-guaranteed deals, but, like – Guys like Zeke Naji, like guys that they uh, that they kind of like, I feel like they could guarantee their deals and like maybe try to package two of their picks to either move up or get something else for their bench. Yeah, right. I saw I like I, I don't know if they're I don't know who they're interested in, but I would like for Denver to like take their they have pick thirty and whatever whatever their own pick is. I think it's like twenty four or something like that. Yeah, some, yeah, somewhere in the twenties. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, somewhere in the twenties. Yeah, I would like them to take both of those picks and try to move up to like the like either late lottery like or like. 15, 16 range, something like that. Yeah. I would like I I think that they definitely didn't target a, a wing for their bench, especially because like in the playoffs they were running uh they Mike Malone likes to run like all bench lineups, but like <laughs> it, I, I still think that's kind of weird. But you know, when he was putting those bench lineups in, he had like Bryn Forbes, uh Austin Rivers and uh Bones playing together. And it's like that's definitely not a formula for defense, especially when Demarcus Cousins is your backup center. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why those bench lines were getting killed when Jokic was out of the game. So I think they should definitely target either a wing or a backup big. Like, I lo- I would love Mark Williams for Denver. I feel like him and Jokic have, like, really contrasting styles that they can play when they're in the when they're uh, in the game. Uh, or, like, someone like Agbaji, like, already now wing to right. come off their bench and, like, knock down shots, play some good defense for them. Yeah, I was seeing Agbaji being mocked him a lot. And then I think I also saw Jalen Williams going mocked him too. And then – uh, also, a lot of saw a lot of people saying they should take Jovic with their pick for that twenty fourth whatever pick they got. I, mean, I, I would cool. just love for that to happen just for the Jokic Jovic. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, like, I guess it could be another. At the same time, it's not even like really a, a bad fit either. Yeah, exactly. Be, that's what I'm saying. That you know, lengthy playmaker can bring up the bench, like you know what I mean. Like, 
And I think on defense, he could probably get masked a little bit. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I wouldn't hate that pick for them at all. And I think, um, yeah, like you said, like Mark Williams, some of that would be cool. Like they try to move up, maybe like Oshai Baji, something like that. I feel like, yeah, they could definitely use something like that. And I think, yeah, if they, I guess, try to flip these two picks, that'd be cool as well. Um, but yeah, as far as OKC goes, I mean, they're going to add another guy like Jermichael. We saw in the past they added guys like, you know, like Al Horford and then, you know, Derek Favors and stuff. Like this. I thought there was another, like, similar, you know, type of move. Um, and then maybe try to, you know, flip them down later. But then they also, again, they got this two second rounders, which um, obviously they still might flip. Cause I think I heard that OKC, they're kind of done with, you know, trying to get like a lot of young talent. They might uh, trade that third pick that they have, right? Or something like that they have. Cause they didn't they want like number two. They have, they have number two, and then what else do they have again? Number two, uh, they have – I know they have another – I'm pretty sure they have another uh, lottery pick, too. Yeah, they have two lotteries, and then I think one – another one in the first round, right? Wasn't, they don't have three in the first round? They, they had 30, but they just traded it. Oh, okay, sure, okay, yeah. But, yeah, so they, I heard they, – They literally tra- – they, they pretty much had to trade the pick because I don't think they would have had the roster room to bring yeah, in the three rookies. Right, exactly. And that's what I'm saying, too. I think, like, it depends, like – Honestly, they, they could they have number two right now, right? They have number two. They have number two. So they're probably going to chat. And then, um, and then I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they flipped the, the later one for, you know, someone cool and intriguing, you know what I mean? Or they want to package Dort and that other pick, you know what I mean? They could do have, they have a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, opportunities. And then, again, the two second rounders that we just talked about is like they have a lot of, I guess, roots for Tim, Sam Preston to take. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it was a cool trade, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't hang on too much, too. It's like the same thing. I really like how OKC is like kind of constructing their team, like all these like big playmakers, like guys like, well, they're obviously they have Shea, who's already like an established star, and they have Giddy, who showed flashes last se- last season his rookie year. He won like yeah. four uh, Western Conference Rookie of the Months, and he was he like won four. Actually, no, that's true. He won four. Yeah, I to, like it was called. Yeah, you're right. You're right. My bad. And sure. then you know they got guys like they got like some uh, some. I mean, Dor's not really a veteran, but like he pretty much plays like a veteran. Mm. Like a, a guy on the wing there. And, uh, you know, some anomalies like Poku, they're trying to work out. I don't know. It's just a really funky team. I like what they're doing. Right. Hope, I hope it works out for them. Mm. And whoever, whoever they go with number two, like it's going to add even more length to that team. So yeah, I, I think that's really cool what they're trying to do there. I hope I hope it works out. Like obviously, like length has been the way to go with a lot of the younger teams now, with like uh, Cleveland and Toronto we saw this year. So, you know, if OKC could somehow kind of, like, mimic that, too, I think that's, like, kind of a cool movement the NBA is having now. Yeah, no, for sure. Orlando, Orlando too. I could definitely show Orlando, like, kind of doing something like that with their uh, roster. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Like, length, size does matter. <laughs> but, um, no, that's facts. And I think, like, yeah, like, uh, what's his face? Poku, like, yeah, that's a very cool thing. And then, yeah, overall, they have very, like, I guess, like, lanky guys and stocky guys and stuff. It's like, yeah, that's I like what OKC is doing, and I think – uh I mean, hopefully this is a year that Presti starts taking more stuff more serious and, you know, actually start to be, you know, like actual like roster changing, you know, moves, you know what I mean? Not like, oh, let me just acquire like expiring salary and all that. So I think because at a certain point, like, I think like Shea is going to get tired, you know what I mean? Like people will be like, all right, let's mm-hmm. start to actually play now, you know what I mean? So um, again, hopefully, you know, the reports are true and hopefully OKC starts, you know, taking stuff seriously this year. Like you said that they're your sleeper playing team, right? Yeah, I think I think that if everyone keeps moving in this in the right direction, uh, development wise, then I think they could be like a fringe playing team this year. I wouldn't be surprised. 
Mm. Yeah. Like, obviously, no. obviously, we haven't seen anything with free agency or the draft yet. We don't really know what all, all these teams' uh, final products look like yet. But you know, right. we don't know. And I, there's it's a team that wouldn't surprise me if they like were semi competitive. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah, yeah. That's, so that's like really. I guess I mean, that's really the two. I mean, I guess more trade rumors. Um. Apparently, the Kings and the Cavs are looking to trade down. Uh, the Kings. I don't really know what the exact report was, but for the Cavs, I can speak to that. Um, because apparently they're trying to move, they could potentially move down and then uh, get a future first, I think is what they said. Um, not from this, yeah, there's a future first, next, right? Future first for next year, yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, I think I'd prefer to stay at 14, but if we were to say move down to like I don't know, like 18 or something, and then take Jalen Williams and then um, yeah, get him next year's first, I mean, I guess that'd be pretty cool. And we could also flip that for you know, if we really need it, but um, I wouldn't be too opposed to it, but as of right now, like. I'd like a lot of the names that we've been associated with, but at the same time, like the thing is I, like I, with a guy like Williams, I, I know he's been moving up um, draft boards, but um, I still hear people say that 14 is a little bit of a stretch for him. Um, so honestly, like, I'll be down. Like, again, if the Cavs feel like, okay, like we can, we can take Williams, he can get him with the 17th pick or whatever, and we can get next year's first. I'll be fine with that, I guess. Um, but I wouldn't be too, too, so opposed to it, but let's see what happens, I guess, on draft night itself. Um, but the Kings, like I said, I don't remember the exact thing. Do you remember what happened with the Kings? Do you know what they said? Or, uh, it's just, I think it's mostly just like at number four, like obviously, like Paolo, Chet, and Jabari are almost locks for the top three picks. So mm. then, and then the next, the next couple of guys, uh, who are likely going to go like four to six range are like Jaden Ivey and. Shaden Sharp, those type of players. I heard I actually heard Sharp was kind of like falling a little bit. Yeah, so that yeah. yeah. But you know, like, so, like the Ivy would be like the next like certain guy who's going to be on people's radars for like the fourth pick. And you know, with Sacramento, they have Fox already, uh, Davion Mitchell, and you, we saw we obviously saw they traded Halliburton already. So it seems like they don't. It seems like they're uh, pretty confident in what they have right now, guard wise. So. Mm-hmm. It's more so just like I, I feel like they're going for more for fit, so they could like trade down and maybe try to get like a, a veteran out of it or something like that. Probably like like trade down a couple spots if if someone like maybe Indiana is like wants uh, Ivy, like they can move down two spots and maybe like snag a buddy. Well, not, well obviously not Buddy Hill because he was there, <laughs> but, but like a like a Brogdon or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would hate Hill for this, you know, for this team, this playoff <laughs> focus team. It'd be, I mean, I feel like I'm fine with that, but. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, that is, that's a good point because like, yeah, I guess the Kings are trying to take things more serious now. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, and then the Blazers try to, may try to move pick seven for a win now piece. I mean, we've talked time and time again, how it's weird, how the Blazers still kind of, um, committed to the whole, um, you know, Lillard, I guess, vision. It's kind of similar to the whole like Washington Wizards and uh, Beal thing. But, um, I mean, again, if this is the route they want to go, I mean, again, they could try to, Maybe they took, maybe they could trade pick seven for uh, CJ McCollum. Uh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, I think I think they would be uh, interested in that. Yeah, <laughs> especially considering they're basically just like building a new version of the team they already had. Yeah, yeah, right. Aren't they linked to like uh, Beal and all them? Like, wasn't that the whole report? Yeah, they were like going for Beal and Levine. Yeah, like, be- I don't understand that at all. But yeah, uh, I I saw like uh, I think it was the one dude from Bleacher Report, uh, Jake Fisher. He's been like pretty. Uh, He's been like pretty accurate, like his reporting and everything like that the last couple of years. And uh he was saying that they were like trying to have uh like that OGN OB like and his representatives were saying that he might be like a little uh 
dissatisfied with the role he's had the past mm-hmm. well, last season. Yeah. With Scotty coming in and everything kind of like uh kind of taking not really taking over his spot because like all of them are like for they're they're five stars for which play like forty five minutes a game each. And they all are like are pretty important to that team. But obviously like with Scotty Barnes being the rookie and coming in and like being the type of player that he was, like his value is really high right now. And mm-hmm. it would definitely pick him over OG, I feel like, if that yeah. ever came down to that. Right. Obviously they'd love to have both, but you know, if, if if OG were to be moved, I saw that uh, Portland would definitely be interested, which I would love that for them, for Portland, that Portland team. Like, it's obviously not going to – I don't think it would put them over the top and, like, make them instant contenders or anything. But, you know, that's the type of player that's, that they need around Dame. Yeah, facts. But um, let me ask you this. Would you do number seven for – okay, you'd, you'd probably do it for OG. But would you do it for someone like uh, – uh, what's his face? Jeremy Grant? Um. If I'm Detroit, I'm definitely like taking that in the heartbeat. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. Detroit says yeah. I'm saying like if you're Portland, would you trade your number seven pick for Jeremy Grant? I mean, I I don't I don't like I I guess in in this draft, I guess I would I wouldn't mind it because if, especially if they're if that's their whole thing is they want to win now a Dame, if that's their goal, then yeah, it makes sense because. You know, the, after the top three picks in this draft, or arguably four, I guess I like Ivy a lot, but yeah, there's, I like, yeah, there's, I like, there's like kind of a really big drop-off. It's just like mm-hmm. a lot of guys who have like high upsides, but then also have pretty low ceilings or uh, or pretty high low floors, I mean, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in a draft like this, it would, it would make some sense, I guess. But, you know, I, there, I, th- I think that Grant – I think in general, Grant's value is like a lot higher than it probably should be among the fans and I guess like some teams. Like he was like not he wasn't bad in Detroit, obviously. Like he showed that he can create his own offense and he made a lot of improvements on that end. But I don't know. I feel like on a on a winning team, he's definitely gotta play like a similar role to how he played in Denver. So it's not gonna like yeah. it's he's not he's definitely not gonna put up those same numbers for you. Yeah, but, no, exactly right. No, that's a great point. That's what I'm saying. It's like I don't know. And, and and also, uh, the whole reason he went to Detroit was because he wanted more touches and he yeah. wanted to like be more involved in the offense. So right. if you're like gonna give him like uh give him reps like like ISO and doing what he was doing in Detroit, I don't know if you're gonna want him like coming in expecting that he's gonna be able to do the same thing with right. a guy like Dame on his team and guys like Simon's who you're trying to develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, what, that's a great point. It's like, would you, yeah, like, it comes down to that, right? Because it's like, yeah, you're going to take a guy who's like, I guess, like the de facto number one option to like a guy's going to play within a role uh, again. It's going to have to play as like a two-way, like a power wing role player type thing. You know what I mean? So I think that it comes down to like how you're going to implement him, I guess. Like, how do you think, like, I guess what you can do with that pick? But um, yeah, I feel like um, what Portland might do, I mean, that's, that, that could be a very interesting situation to monitor. Because again, it's not just limited to those two guys. It's like, you know, I mean, we never know. You know, we never know who's calling who, you know what I mean? Um, and then the whole Aiton situation, we've talked about it before, how how rocky it was between us, um, I'm Robin Sarver and and Aiden and how all the reports are coming out now saying that Aiden's very well played his last game in Phoenix. Um, and like a side and trade is like very imminent. Um now honestly, I mean I mean, seeing how everything kind of shook out, I mean, I wouldn't really be surprised at this point. It's not going to – you know what I mean? It's like, honestly, I, I feel like it probably will happen more than it might not. Um, but as far as, like, what team, I'm honestly have 
Honestly, I have no idea. Honestly, that's a good question. I mean, I think, I mean, if I mean, if Dallas wants to, you know, go crazier, you know what I mean, maybe try to do something, maybe. Um, because I feel like honestly, that would be pretty nice. Honestly, I mean, like I said earlier, like the like a wood eight in front would be kind of nice. I don't know, but um, I don't even know other teams. Like I feel like the Lakers, no, they might bite. I don't know. You don't think well, with so? What? With what? What? What do the Lakers have? Uh, they're gonna trade all their future first, and they're gonna oh, the two that they have. The two that they have in two of twenty twenty eight, what is it, eight or something? 2027, 2029. Yeah, they're gonna get rid of all of those. <laughs> like obviously those are very valuable picks, but when you're a team like uh Phoenix, especially now, like with Chris Paul getting older, like their windows kind of I don't want to say their windows closing because they still have obviously like Devin Booker and they still have a pretty good foundation there with guys like Bridges and Booker. But you know, when you have when you have a guy like Aiden, I feel like you want to try to retain that like to the highest capability possible because like the top, the top six to seven centers in the league are on a completely different tier than like pretty much everyone below them. And when you have a guy like Aiden who can like, you know, who can play defense at a really high level, who can, who's getting better, uh, who, who, who doesn't need the ball, like down low to create, like he can play off of other like good playmakers like Booker and Chris Paul, like he's shown who can, uh, kind of who, who's gotten better stepping up and taking on like wings and guards than a lot of other centers in the league have. Yeah. Like that, I think that's really valuable, especially a guy who's what 23 years old, something like that. Yeah. He's yeah. still on, he, like he's going into his fourth season now. So, or going into his fifth season. Yeah. Going into his fifth year. So I, I think they should try to keep him at all costs, but you know, if, if the relationship is like at a point where it's irreparable, then you got to try to, you gotta try to get what you can to to continue to win. I saw like th- th- there's not many like contending teams who can who have the who either have the assets or like make sense for Aiden. A lot of the teams that I saw that he's connected to are like kind of like more rebuilding teams who are looking to take the next step, like Detroit or uh, San Antonio. Like I saw there was like a proposed San Antonio package. It was like uh, Keldon, Pirtle, and picks or something like that, which I don't think is like awful but i feel like i don't know you for a guy like eight and you want more than that but i don't know if you're going to get more from like any other teams i mean uh i mean i was just thinking about it. i feel like toronto would be nice toronto toronto's another one that would be nice but yeah yeah like what, what can you even do if you're toronto though like i guess og and picks something like that og and picks and i heard i mean i saw some rappers bull came over to the cast star but he was like yo like there's like talks about them maybe want to move off of like siakam and stuff so uh, I don't even know what Siakam's contract is. I, don't, I think I think that those talks kind of died down after Siakam had the second half that he had and made All NBA. Oh, uh, probably yeah. I mean, but that's what I'm saying too. It's like it also depends because I don't even know if like Toronto wants to give more reps to Scotty Barnes and I don't even know, bro. Honestly, but I feel like Toronto might be a cool option because like, I mean, OG picks like that would be cool. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. they need a center desperately, so it's like, um, you know, maybe like they would throw Boucher in there too if they really wanted to. You know what I mean? Boucher would need to be – I think he would need to be signed and trade. I think you could probably make it work, though. So, yeah, like – Is he – wait, is he restricted this summer? Or he's unrestricted. Oh, unrestricted? All right. Bro, honestly, I feel people might get really interested in him. I don't know. He's, he's pretty sturdy. Yeah, he's – like, it's pretty uh, underwhelming free agent class, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, he's probably, like, one of the better bigs who's going to be available. Yeah. I mean, hey, Kobe Elman, if you want <laughs> – Christian Wood, I think we should get him. <laughs> Christian Wood? I mean, Christian Wood. Uh, 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 Chris Boucher. My bad. Um, but I guess that's really all the trade uh, talks, really. And I guess, like, the last thing I want to talk about 
um, is the whole Kenny Atkinson situation where um, oh, that happened today. That was so weird. Yeah, um, Atkinson was just like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not taking this coaching job anymore with the Hornets, and he kind of just dipped. Um, and he's like, I guess I'm gonna win more rings with the Warriors, uh, <laughs> or I guess I have the opportunity to do it. But um, I'm really kind of surprised with that because I, I just thought like usually a coach would kind of prefer to be in a head coaching role rather than a system role. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the team, but at the same time, I just thought like in general, you know what I mean? Because you see in like championship assistants leave, you know, for a head coaching gig. But um, um, I mean, it's very cool, very interesting, I think. Um, I mean, I don't know if adding uh, Atkinson would have taken them to very deep, I guess, in the playoffs. I mean, I think like I think everyone kind of has like tiers of coaches. And I think Atkinson's always been in that level where it's like, all right, he's a guy who can kind of take your core and take him to the playoffs. But if you need like a deep run coach, it's like he's probably not your guy. And that's another thing with the Hornets is like we've seen like two very disciplined playing situations for the last few years. And I feel like, um, I mean, again, we've got to see how the whole offseason shakes out. Um, but I feel like Atkinson, like, I feel like him and Borrego is like kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, this is me personally. But I, I think Borrego is a pretty good coach. Yeah, Borrego's a nice coach. That's what I'm saying. I, I was kind of surprised by that a little bit, but. Um, but I think like we saw how they like, you know, they were in, interested in D'Antoni, which is cool. I mean, that's a good coach to have, but it's like, again, we talk, like, I'm, I said it personally, I think like, like the Hornets problem is not the offense. It's obviously the defense. Right. So I feel like, I feel like if you can kind of get like a more like a defensive coordinator type guy and have to hire, like maybe like a, like a D'Antoni type John, like as like a, like an assistant or like a, you know what I mean? I feel like that probably would make more sense, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, wait, is D'Antoni and who else was interested again? Uh, stats. They said they were interested. And like stats, those, those yeah. were the two like runner ups when they announced the finalists or whatever. Yeah, right. And I feel like yeah, I mean those are like okay, like they're cool names, but I just don't know how they'll really help Charlotte in the long run. Um, especially just because like again, I think Charlotte's like this is the time where they're all right, like we're really trying to make like a push now. You know what I mean? Like when they've yeah. had like the young guys are trying to you know get those vets in. Like the whole Hayward situation is weird. Like that's what I'm saying. They have like a lot of avenues this, this summer, but especially like if they're trying to make that next leap. Like, I think, I mean, I, I, I know I'm not saying the coaching pool is like very like, you know, plentiful or whatever, but I just think like, I just don't know how much, um, I mean, I guess how much like, I don't, like a stop would really help. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting series to monitor for sure. With, uh, with Kenny Atkinson, like, especially like based on what happened in Brooklyn, like, I feel like he's, he's a really good, like, obviously like a good, like basketball, like X's nose coach. But I think the most important trait that he has is like he's like kind of like a culture setter too, and that he's like really good with like managing personalities on teams. And I feel like the Warriors with his time there, they kind of saw that. And I feel like a lot of people were kind of speculating after he uh, stepped down earlier today that they were saying like maybe once Steve Kerr, like if they if they were to get like a tenth ring or something like that, they say like Kerr might retire, and then like maybe they'll have Atkinson like maybe they promised Atkinson that he could have his spot or something like that. Yeah, that yeah that could be the case too. Yeah. You never know. But, yeah, um, I feel like that's probably, like – I feel like they, there has to be something more to it as to why he would, like, back out of a, a guaranteed head coaching job to come back as, like, a top assistant. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Very, very interesting situation. But um, You don't really see that too often with coaches. Like, obviously, like, players back out of deals, like, not, mm-hmm. not like, all the time, but we've seen it a couple of times over the last right. couple of years. Yeah, this bull was just like, yeah, I'm not – I don't want to be a head coach. Like, that's just – okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess we haven't really talked about the Quinn Snyder thing either, like, when that happened. Oh, yeah. Stepping down. But, yeah, yeah I, I saw – like, speaking of, like, the whole – like, when I was talking about Steve Kerr, like, Atkinson maybe being his successor or something like that, like, those rumors. But I saw another thing where it's like uh, when Quinn Snyder, like, 
when Chris Leiter backed down of the uh, Jazz coaching job, he was saying that like uh, he was like, yeah, I think that they need like a, a new voice, and we, they need something to change. So I'm just, I, don't, I feel like that's uh, kind of runs course with me being here. I saw that a lot of people were uh, saying that they think that uh, San Antonio uh, made him like a uh, an offer to be Popovich's successor after this season or something like that. Cause he said he was going to take a year off with his family. And then they said that like, they think that uh, San Antonio is going to give him that uh, a deal when Popovich is done after this year, if he decides to retire. Oh, I mean, that'd be Which is probably cool. likely to be honest. I'm surprised. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought the last couple of years, Popovich is going to, uh, be, be calling it, but yeah, he's got his 1,000 wins now, or not, not 1,000 wins. He's, had, he's had, I think he's had that, but uh, he's got his uh, the all time record for most wins now, mm. so he's kind of done everything he can. And this is a team that's like starting to uh, more. I, I don't know if I want to call it a rebuild, I guess you can call it a rebuild, but they're like kind of taking that next step out of the rebuild because they got some guys that they like now, so mm. it seems like they're. They might move to Snyder, and it seems like they, they are people are saying that like him and Popovich has like a relationship too, and he had a relationship with some people in the Spurs uh, front office. Wasn't Snyder on the coaching staff one time? By my tripping, he was with the Sixers. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's with the Spurs or not. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, I could I could see that happening too. It's like yeah, it's like especially now it's like it's like a new I guess age for the for the Spurs. Like they have a core now that's got to develop it, and like I mean, realistically speaking, the fact of the matter is they don't really have a championship window probably in the next like two years or whatever, but. You know what I mean? Oh my, bro. oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a very interesting situation. I also heard that people were saying that like Snyder didn't like the some of the moves the front office made or something like that, and he got very annoyed at that too. Um, which I mean, I could also agree with. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It's a very interesting situation. I think like yeah, and then the whole you know Darvin Ham and all that, and like how Snyder was linked to the Lakers and all that. So I mean, I don't know, but um, hopefully, again, like we talked about it before, the, the free agency class is a little bit drier. Um, but hopefully, again, trades kind of come in. I feel like some teams are starting to kind of figure out what they want, what they don't, don't want, and then the coaching stuff and all that. So, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, it's going to be a, an interesting offseason. When's the summer league in July, right? Yeah, July. Okay. For sure. It's usually like maybe like two weeks after the draft, I think, something like that. Is it two weeks? Really? Well, I mean, like drafts, what, uh, this coming Thursday, it's like, what, June 23rd? Yeah. Yeah. So you figure like two weeks. That's like already a, a week in the July. I guess so. I guess it's like around then, maybe or maybe it, maybe it's like a, maybe it's like middle of July, something like that. I don't know. Maybe. But. All right. Yeah. But yeah. But a lot could happen from here to now. You know what I mean? A lot of these draft picks might not even stay with their teams. Like I said, you know what I mean? But um. But yeah, man. I mean, very uh, very interesting end to the season. Official. Actually, I guess the draft is the end of the season, right? Or is that really sort of the next season? No. Nah, I, I mean, it's like the end of the season. There's no more games left. So. Yeah. All right, but whatever. Regardless, all season time. Um, hopefully a lot of rumors and stuff. And like I said before, um, we're gonna try to record a draft preview podcast episode with Rish. Um, probably like Tuesday. Probably to get try to get that out like Tuesday night. When is it? Definitely before the draft, obviously. But, um, but yeah, man, I can't wait. You know what I mean? Um, but it should be very fun, very fun times. And um, yeah, I think that's really, really all to really you know talk about. Um, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, um, if you're on YouTube, uh, thanks for watching. I don't even know if anyone's on YouTube. Uh, if you're on Spotify, um, again, uh, drop the five stars, show support. Apple Podcasts, same thing. If you're on Breaker, Anchor, whatever you're on, shout out. Um, if you're from Germany, danke. 
And um, yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate it so much. But I um, appreciate the support. And for Monka Mary, I'm signing out. For me, I'm signing out. And Mr. Boyle. Have a good one, everybody. Hope we all enjoyed the season. I know I, for sure I did. Facts. It was for the 75th season, bro. I, I lost one, didn't it? You know what I mean? A lot, a lot, a lot of great moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, facts. Facts. Um, but yeah, definitely season to remember. And I'm um, very, very happy. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. London Bridge is falling down, isn't it? But um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much. And we'll catch you guys Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, we'll catch you guys Tuesday. But um, adios and good night. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. And